just outflanged you, isn't it? You play a football match, you play outflanged you, isn't it? It's the greatest game in the world. If there's no people there to watch, it becomes nothing. And to Johnston. What is happening, Tuesday, the 12th of July, and it's another episode of the Jungle Gyms. Uh, hi, uh, McGinty and Paddy in the house. What's happening, guys? I'll let Paddy speak first. Mate, I fucking love it. <laughs> I don't want to tell you. I love that intro. That's the best intro. I don't give a fuck who says it. I might be biased, but I don't care. That is. You are biased, but so. you're also true, mate. Well, I can just say. Biasly true, then. Here we go. Uh, I, I love it. A lot of hard work, sweat, and tears, and uh, different versions of that introduction went through the summer holidays there. But I love it. People like what different versions are seeing as last year. I'm like, some of the is it hard work? Is it really? Hard work. Is it really? I put in a different quote. You did. It's hard work, mate. I know. Controversial changing it from uh, uh, "We Don't Stop" to "We Are Champions." Champions. That's who we are. I, the only thing is, I need Ange at the end of the season when we've won a treble in you know, the Champions League, I need him to come out with some other inspirational quote for next year's video. Like, fuck like me, or something? Like... Well, aye. I mean, if he says that at some point through this year, I'm going to put that in the video. No yeah. doubt. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Slight tackles somebody on the pitch uh, when we play Rangers so that we can put in like a, kind of, a missing photo that you've, that you've got ready. You know, I had to add something from this season again, so something had to move. But I got Keen Tini back in. That was a controversial thing. I got in the uh, police officer Lustig, you know. I'll fix it next year. Was that for your YMCA fucking fantasies, was it? Well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get in some cowboys at some point, yeah. Uh, We've already got three here, the new mate. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, cowboy, because dressing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Leave, your horse, leave your horse at the door, the boys are ready to go. Leave your horse at the door. 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 Leave your horse at the it was pretty kind of shady earlier on the day, weather-wise, but my God, it is fucking warm outside, man. It really is. Um, but that's dedication from the Jungle Gyms doing another pod when we should be outside getting a bit of sun. Uh, so tonight we plan to talk about the the uh, the, the, the pre-season um, tour that's going on right now with Austria, how Celtic have got on. We've already played two games. We've got a further four scheduled, I believe. Um, on top of that, we're going to be talking about transfers. Of course, what else we're going to be talking about during the mid-season, or, sorry, during the pre-season. So transfers in and out. We're going to be talking about rumour of the boys in Japan. So um, quite a, an unexpected uh, but important thing 
that, that, that Celtic should be exploiting the, the link between uh, us and the Japanese market with the four Japanese boys we've got on our books. And I guess apart from that, we'll um, we'll talk about a shite as well. Uh, McGinty, that is a beautiful topic you're wearing. Care to discuss that, please? Um, a little bit. Uh, it is probably the second best Mexico shirt you could ever get, beaten only by the one that came out the year before. Uh, this is the imprint on this is actually just the Mexico badge on itself, whereas the one in '98 I think had the actual Aztec kind of. Uh, stonework kind of depiction on it, which I think just looks a little bit better. But the price difference from you know this one at a hundred or the other one at probably about three four hundred, yeah, I'll, I'll go with this one just now. But it's an absolute classic, I think. Uh, what if it as well? This, by the way, I'm no skinny boy. I'm between a medium and large. This is a small. Is it mental? This is the '90s for you. Big baggy stuff. Mental. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, what's, what's that little green and white number you've got on there? Uh, so this is from the mid-90s. Um, Tommy Bonds type. Uh, 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 I, I really like this. I know that we had some some bad days under this one, but I really enjoyed this trip. Um, I, I stole it from my dad. Um, thankfully, I, I, I fit him. Uh, I fit him. So, yeah, so, I? I tell you what, if, if, I knew, if I knew I was coming on live with fucking Colin and Justin the night, I'd have took the night off. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, what is it you're sporting there? Is that a, a, fucking, a, new, a new piece of I fucking I say like training tap, right? Go on, but... It's nice. I like the badge. Thanks. Thanks very much. Looks kind of similar to his. Beginning, what is that? New, new, gear, new gear, mate. New range. New range. It does look What's quite good. Cup? I like the shade of green on that. What's the cup you're drinking for? I know that this is pure. It's so boring to talk about. What? <laughs> so, this is my uh, Shetland Puffins tea mug. <laughs> Shetland yeah. Puffins, rock and roll, rock and roll. Um, here, right, by the way, one wee comment that you made, you, you said about Ange doing like a flight tackle, and I was thinking, you know, like sometimes, uh, the hi, hi Margaret, I hope you're doing well, hope you're doing well. See, sometimes um, tempers can kind of flare onto the pitch from uh, the, co the coaching staff, the manager. I think that we've got quite a placid bunch. So who do you think would be the most likely to get into a fight with the opposition, whether it be Postacoglu, John Kennedy, um, Harry Kuehl, et cetera, et cetera. Who do you think would uh, be the, the most prone to, to get into a, a wee fisticuffs? I think, I think Gavin Strike is a dark course. Nah, I, I think Strachan I think you'd beat your face Kennedy off. Proven, no. Kennedy and Strachan, I'm, I'm not going to beat, uh, beat it up on the... <laughs> I'm not going to beat the bush again about... Uh, how terrible they were as coaches under Lennar. We've all been there. They're fine as hell. They've done good last season. But I think they've shown that they can be a little bit kind of like reserved when it comes to actually speaking their voice. So let's see what Harry Kuehl can bring if he's going to be a wee animated soul on the side of the pitch. If not, then, you know, Ange, your headmaster in school, is going to get a belt on a skip the side of your face with your eye. Uh, mm. I wouldn't really like to be on the, the receiving end of his wrath. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know, why are you let me talk in this? It's starting to start get a bit of fucking old BDSM territory. I'm like, just. I'm just going to plant a virus rather than uh, swing a punch. Um, right, okay, so pre season friendlies. We've had two already. Winner Victoria, we beat them 7 0. 
and the most recent um, Rapid Vienna that was on Saturday three each and obviously there's a bit of bad blood between us and Rapid Vienna as we mentioned in our last week's podcast again we'll come back to uh, 1984 um, but anyway uh, Paddy I'm going to hold my hands up I was out for this weekend I was out um, in the East Coast so I missed the game but the Rapid Vienna one I heard it was much more of a full-blooded encounter Go on, he talked to me. Finished three each. What did you take from it? Well, obviously, the last time we done a we done a pod was last Tuesday, and I know we kind of say that we would come on at the weekend and be around it. But do you know what, guys? It was absolutely roasting all the weekend, so there was no chance I was sitting in here sweating my boys off just to talk to these lovely people. So, uh, I obviously the first game against Wiener was. Pretty much what you would expect. Well, it was actually a wee bit more than you would expect. Um, generally, we kind of came out, played positive. We went for the jugular. Obviously, we Johnny Kenny got uh, Johnny Kenny got a couple of goals. Could have had a hat trick if uh, Big Mister Julian didn't fucking steamroll him um, out the way. I was actually just um, watching those highlights, and I've not. I've only just seen the goals recently after seeing the highlights, and. Fair play to to Julian getting up there and just you know getting a bit the goals and doing what he needs to do, yeah. but he totally stole that off Kenny. Totally stole it. But hey, it's one of these things that listen. If that was a if that was a competitive game and it was a goal that mattered, you wouldn't give a fuck who scored it. It'd be nice for a confidence booster for the wee fella, but listen, it is what it is. It's preseason. Uh, I pretty much strolled that game. Did well on attacking wise. Uh, the rapid game was a bit different. That was pretty tasty fairly on. You could see that there was you could see that there was a bit of a, a nut in there. Um there was plenty of tackles coming in aggressive as well. There was, at one point fucking Carter Vickers was kinda staring into somebody's soul, you know, at one point. Um but I attack wise we were good. We were good on the counter, we were good at the pressing defensively. Horrendous that boy over the over the course of the two games, and I know it's only been two games, and I know I've kind of made this pack to you so that I'm not going to be as critical. Well, so whatever you want to call it, Uragide over the course of those those two games, albeit preseason, has been absolutely fucking shocking, shocking. Well, we we'll, we'll touch on Uragide. I know that Ralston and Jovanovic are. Um, two preferred right backs um, have uh, have had like, knocks or whatever. I think they're expected to come back in the next game tomorrow against Vanek or Strava. Um, so Urugidi had to deputise at right back. I know that when he was on loan for that team, Ustend in Belgium, he was playing at centre back. That I believe is his preferred position. That's where he's earned relative plaudits. But Ange has put him in at right back, maybe not his preferred position. And uh, I'm going to hold my hands up. I watched him the Vigo game. I watched him live. And I came home and I watched the, 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 the TV coverage. And I was equally unimpressed with both platforms. Um, but you know, the Yankees pretty shite. I, I have to agree with, with Paddy. Uh, you don't want to take too much from these games. They're friendlies at the end of the day. They're all about getting match sharpness and fitness. Mate, There's some players shocking. that... Aye, there's some players that you're looking at and you're saying, right, it's good to see Kyogo back. He's looking really sharp. Tati's looking quite sharp. It's always interesting seeing new signings like Benny Bay 
playing and just seeing what style of player he is, but you're not expecting him to be up to speed too much, although he is com- coming from mid-season, I believe. So it's nice to see some of these things at the same time. And you get other players like um, like Forrest, like you know uh, Kenny, stuff like that, coming on. Again, good to see them, but you're not expecting them to, to light up the world straight away, be it the experience or the younger side of it. And then you look at the back line with uh, Julian, again, we know what to expect with Julian, but we know he's coming off what, 18 months now since he really played much football for us, so we know we're expecting him to take a while to pick, pick up to speed, if he ever gets back up to speed. So there's lots of things you just kind of accept, this is all about fitness, this is all about match sharpness, but sometimes you can just see a player like Urigiri, and you can just see he has not got the calibre or the skill sets or the awareness or the positional sense or anything to cut it at the level of Celtic. It's going to take some miracle to see him turn around his Celtic crew because he just does not look up to it at all. Well, I know, I know, we, I know, I know we sound a wee bit pessimistic, not quite money, but it's no, it's no all morning. Obviously, that's something that we've kind of been talking about amongst ourselves, so we're desperate to get in there and get it out of our chest. But, like, the first game, I mean, we started off with, like, Joe Hart, Berner by uh, the defence. Who was the defence again, McGinty? Vickers and... Um... Vickers and uh, Welsh Welsh and Vickers played one, and then you had Lowell and Julian in the second game. That's right. Aye, so then, like the Uh, the first the first game, we more or less played a a, a decent team, and then the second the second time, sorry, the the defence it was like it was Welsh. It was playing. It was wow, Julian guys that need minutes, guys that need game time. Um, you had, had James McCarthy played. All these guys played all right. You know, Bernabeu, the first game, he was flying up and down the park. It was obviously it was his first uh, his first game for Celtic. He looked very, very confident. It looks as if he knows how to play that inverted fullback. Because him, he was he was basically in centre mid for a lot of the game. And then there was a, a direct free kicks coming over for the right-hand side. He was running right over. To the right hand side and taking them in and swingers. So mm-hmm. you've got a guy there that's got confidence, doesn't mm-hmm. shy. Um, the second game he played again, he, sometimes his passing was a wee bit kind of wayward. But again, it's pre season, you can you can allow stuff like that as long as they're taking something positive. But then he was playing with guys like Lawal and that, you know, and they, and they were they, he was pretty decent. I mean, for me, he he's looked a guy who looks to be the, the, the best solid aggressor. Out of the two centre backs, mm. it looks as if he's the leader. He doesn't. He doesn't look like a 19, 20 year old boy. But if, if that's it, just you know. But again, we we guys like Vata and Kenny, and I think Kenny done himself proud, and he done very well to get his two goals. Should have had a hat trick and all the rest of it. I'm not going to get overly excited and say that John Kenny needs to be starting ahead of Kyogo or Giamakis because that's that's just stupid. Uh, same with. Boston Lowell, he's not going to start ahead of Starfelt or Carter Vickers or Julian or whoever replaces Julian if he moves on because they are your experienced guys. But it's nice to see them have confidence. It's nice to see them want to take a bit of leadership in it and kind of showcase themselves because that does them well. If you can keep that up into the first couple of games of the season, they start to stake a claim for themselves. Um, but again, like I said, you look at other guys like Uigiri, you look at... Um, 
Sorry to say it. You look at McCarthy. For me, yes, he played reasonably well, but you have to remember the caliber of team that we're playing against. It's all about fitness. I mean, that first game, they were not a football club that we should be compare ourselves to in any shape or form. They were not a challenge to us. So when do you, regardless of the opposition, I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I totally get that, but when was the last time that you can remember Celtic starting off their pre season uh, tour? And get out and play with that kind of positivity, that kind of aggression in the very first game. Usually, as you say, it's a kind of it's a kind of kind of easy ozy encounter. You'll maybe have somebody trying to make something of themselves. I think pre-season friendlies are easily forgettable, and that's why I wouldn't be able to answer your question as to when was the last time we went out with positivity. I think make the pre-season friendlies. Of course, um, you're looking for to let jail the new recruits. Um, improve the fitness levels and it's time to implement coaching ideas such as uh, coaching Burnaby to play the, the kind of inverted fullback position to see if he can come to, to, to grips with that during the season and of course just everybody gelling together and things like that um, but one other thing for the Rapid Vienna game what did you make of uh, Turnbull uh, I heard that he had a, a quite decent game and he linked up well with Kyogo Yes, um, obviously I've been a critic of his for a while, but uh, no, he set one up for Kyogo, and Kyogo set one up for him. So there was a there was a good link up there. But the midfield, I've been I've actually been quite impressed with the midfield. Um, McCarthy came in was solid enough. You know, his passing looks to be nice and crisp and sharp. Uh, there's there's some rumours doing the round that he's lost X amount of weight. Four kilos was the rumour the round. And you can see that he, did, he does look a bit sharper. Um, Hatati, Hatati just looks like a new man. The two games, he's almost been like that attacking box to box midfielder. Dare I say it, almost kind of Petrov type. Um, his energy's there. You can see he just, he just kind of looks like he's got a, a fresh lease of life. Uh, McGregor's playing with the mask, so he's. Unmasked, oh, <laughs> who, who I call that unmasked. I mean, uh, even Mikey Johnson, Mikey Johnson's come in and and is and looks full of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so the, the, we're, we're seeing a lot of positives uh, as well. There's a few negatives, but come on, it's only two games in, so we can't write everybody off. But we still need to discuss these things. I'm not writing everybody off. I'm just writing Ugiri off. Even McCarthy, I I don't think he's. I think he's lost what he used to have. But he's looking half decent enough. I'm not completely going to write off. I don't expect much. Uh, Kyle on the fence. Level. By the way, just going no, to go, no. Just going to go back to this one. I'm not exactly sure, uh, Alan, how tall is Lawal? Like he says, five feet nine, surely he's bigger. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what size he is, to be specific, but he's definitely bigger than five feet nine, probably six. I, I'm, I'm five maybe. foot nine, five foot ten. He's bigger than me, for sure. Well, the, the three of us went to that Celtic B game last season. And we saw Wawa, well, he was playing it, and uh, he was head and shoulders above everybody. And the Celtic team, at least, is by far the most physically dominant. But I would I would be very surprised if he's uh, less than six foot. So, yeah, same. Um, moving on to... Right, let's mix up a wee bit. The boys in Japan. Boys in Japan. Paddy, where are you going to take your mask at? <laughs> Never make this in mind. Beautiful face. <laughs> Until one of these days I, I, tell, I tell you what, Kennedy. Tell you what, Kennedy. You're lucky I'm on the tea tonight, mate. If I was pushed, I'd be fucking slaughtering you. But 
Oh. It's a new me, mate. New, new season, new me. Ah, a stupid episode. Um, uh, again, why I ask you this one because you're into the kind of the marketing, the financial side. You do see the benefit of these things. Um, boys in Japan. So we're planning a tour of Japan in the summer of 2023. This is the the the, the news that we're hearing um, against the J League team. So this is probably the perfect time to capitalise. Uh, on on this link that we've got, long may it continue. One interesting thing I did here before I, I, I hand the mic over to you is when we heard from that guy Dan Orlowitz, the kind of the J League expert. One curious thing he said about the the football culture from a fan's perspective: they don't necessarily support a team; they support the player. So if a player moves to a new club, they might buy a top for that club just in support of that player. That's a curious thing. But anyway, uh, the benefits of the Tour of Japan, what do you think? Oh, financially and kind of spreading the brand, massive. Uh, we, we've seen it before with Nakamura, obviously. You know, how many fans did we have? I think we, we were the first British club to open up uh, a supporters club in, in, uh, in Japan off the back of Nakamura. You've seen it with guys like Kagawa, who's been at Dortmund and Man United, they get a lot of uh, exposure. Man United, obviously, a big obvious one in the Asian countries anyway. But I think having guys like Hitachi there, um, Kyogo and stuff, they're absolutely loved over there. They are at the, the peak end of of what Japanese football is expecting from what we understand it over the next kind of few years. So I expect that we're, we're going to go over there. I expect all four of them will play. Uh, I'm guessing we're going to be playing Yokohama uh, and Postecoglou's old team, and I would love it to be Vissel Kobe and to see if Iniesta was still playing for them next year. Because if we could get him to to play a game against Celtic, I think that would be quite something to see him again um, shaking hands with some of the Celtic players as he has done in the past for Barcelona. I think they're likely to be your two teams. Maybe a third one or maybe a second one comes from Australia to come up, but it's money. It's a money spinning exercise. The fan base in, in Japan is going to be absolutely massive. Not for Celtic, especially, as you said, they'll follow the players. We've got four of them of the next stars of Japan for the next kind of five to ten years. Yeah, we're going to get a big turnout and we're going to get a lot of fans buying a lot of merchandise on the back of this. The World Cup, the World Cup, Cup, Cup coming up right now and in, uh, in the winter in Qatar, that's going to be very timely in terms of enhancing uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the reputations and therefore... The connection with Celtic and Japan, so uh, more power to us, more power to, to the Japanese. The, the only thing I would say is surely um, this is going to be all dependent on what happens throughout this season. If we have to play qualifiers and stuff, this might hamper it a little bit or might pull it forward. But if we get into the Champions League group stage, no qualifiers and stuff, as we have this year, I imagine this thing is going to go ahead, slap bang in the middle of the uh, preseason as in right now, this thing next year. And it'll be, it'll be great to see it. Hi, uh, Paddy, I've never actually travelled abroad um, to see Celtic, but a wee summer holiday in Japan, that'd be something else watching them play over there. Just get a Ryanair trip. I don't know, mate. Like, uh, like, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know really much about Japan. I know that culture, you know what I mean? I don't know if they... Like, do you think do you, do you think they would be um, do you think they'd be happy with a bunch of fucking mad mental Celtic supporters all going all get pushed and kissing their faces and all that and 
Well, it might not be able to. I think the tourism is still pretty much shut down just now because of COVID. Oh, so again, that might be depending on that. But then how many fans are going to travel from the side of the world over to Japan for our friendly? You'll get maybe a couple hundred people who would religiously follow Celtic anywhere, which is great, all the power to them. But these these games are going to sell out through the Japanese support regardless if we well, do what? Well, one, thing, one thing, one thing's for sure, we probably tell about him. Oh, I, I yeah, saw the videos and the highlights of him sitting in the stands the last couple of games already. Uh, I dare say he'll be saving up his yen already. Shameless. Well, I forgot to mention, in terms of the, the pre-season friendlies, we've got the game tomorrow, uh, Banik Strava. I believe that they finished fifth in the Czech Republic League last season. So I think um, that we're going to be actually travelling to to their home ground and they've got a capacity of about 15,000. Um, so because they're going to be a top-tier, top-flight team, uh, hopefully it'll be the same kind of competitiveness as what we enjoyed against Rapid Vienna. That we know that they were an amateur team, so Asian Cup 2020. We're going to lose players. Thank you for insight, um, right, transfers, transfers, boys and girls. I know that that's the the, the fucking flavour of the for all Celtic podcasts. Gav, see before we go into transfers, mate. I know there's a few comments here. I'll, I'll try and bring up, but um, there's been a few there for Frank, and Frank's been talking about transfers, uh, basically saying, you know, the Champions League's kind of creeping around the corner, and he's no really too happy about the position that we're in in regards of. Kind of personnel for midfield. So one of the previous comments was about getting into the Champions League with Hatati, Kalmak, uh, and somebody else wasn't happy with it. So there's the last one. The Champions League group stages are only ever for Europe for the best. And us as a wee pop four team are only going to be seriously punished for all the things we get away with every week in the SPL. Um, although that might sound negative on the surface of it, but we can't. It's difficult to argue against. Some of the logic there. That's what I would say. Um, so don't don't jump down the throat of Frank. Uh, yeah, but we're still looking for that physical player um, that, that would really help in the in the Champions League. And obviously quality. You don't want to just buy in numbers. You want to bring in quality uh, to challenge for uh, a, a first team jersey. Um, but we've done well so far. But there's still a long way to go between now and the end of the transfer window. So I'm going to trust in Ange, but I do agree with the sentiment of Frank at the moment. Yeah, I think I think we would get somewhat found out. And midfield, oh, across the border. I, I think we're strongest in attack. I think defence and midfield we can definitely improve upon. Oh, right, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McGinney, how, how, how far off it do you think we are? If uh, we had uh, the first Champions League game tomorrow, mm, who are we playing against? Pop one teams will get absolutely spanked. Um, we're not up to sharpness and fitness yet, and as you say, we're, we're missing a key midfielder. Be it somebody who who's finally stepping up, i.e., Hitati or somebody, or a key defender. I think we're missing two quality players. Uh, we've talked about the midfielder before in here. We we need that. Not so much a Wanyama type powerhouse, but we need somebody who's going to be have a presence in the midfield, be it a creative presence or the defensive presence, one of the two, something that's just going to be taking us up a level in some aspect. Um, 
until we get that, be it somebody steps up or we buy that person, I think we're, we're going to get found out a little bit in the midfield against your pot one and pot two teams of the bulk of them. But we should be going toe-to-toe with teams of pot three. Look at last year, Real Betis. A little bit naive, a little bit kind of shaky around the edges, a little bit wet behind the ears, if you want to say. Uh, Angie's first season, players still getting used to the formations, the setup and the style. And we went toe-to-toe with them. Same with Leverkusen. We, we could have won those games. Naivety and being a little bit stupid at the back cost us. But we're still scoring, you know, three plus goals in these games. We're still capable to take it to to teams that would traditionally be pot three. So why not? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I, I still maintain that the Real Betis game away, uh, that that was one of the most entertaining games from my point of view and seeing the philosophy of what's the Even though we we, we failed four three in the end. And of course, the, the Leverkusen game away from home, we did very well. We're up at one point, I think about 10 minutes to go, and then we capitulated. And it's that experience, and maybe that's what Frank is alluding to, the experience bringing on quality, the players that can see the rhythm of a game and how it's changing and be able to settle down the boys. Because I think we, we, we again discussed this in last Tuesday, where I think it's only Callum McGregor and, um, and Joe Hart who's got proper Champions League experience. Uh, there might be... I know that Giacomakis played a couple of games for the UK Athens, but uh, Hart and McGregor, definitely the two most influential. Um, so I, I would like to see that. But transfers, uh, we have seen most recently, uh, I think it was announced today, Bolly Bolingoli has signed for Mechelen, the Belgian team. Um, that is a two-year deal, I believe, that he's signed with. So he's not out on loan. He is gone. He has left the building. Um, a disappointing... Uh, Player for Celtic, whenever him and, and Taylor signed roughly at the same point, and for similar fees as well, I think. And I don't know if it's because we always uh, reckon that the foreigner is going to do better than the domestic player, but I think people had higher hopes for Bully Bullingoli rather than Greg Taylor. But Taylor, after a while, he nickled down and he made that position his own. Bolly, of course, the controversy, we know all about that, but he's been a disappointment and... Best luck to him. I'm not bitter about it. I, I'd like to see him do well, but you know, I'll turn back to Celtic. My, my focus is on them, uh, but definitely a disappointing signing for Celtic. Yeah, Frank, Paddy. Paddy's not speaking to us anymore. Well, sorry, we talked to me now. Can you hear me? Right, I, 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 boy, just a total, total disappointment in every, in every sense. We, we, we lost here at Arsenal, twenty-five million to get in. We reinvested that uh, six million pound outlet for two left backs. One came from Commander, one came from Rapid Vienna. Uh, of course, as you say, Bolingoli was the. He, he was the one that we were looking for to come in and, and, and step up, you know. He's the guy that had the European experience. He's part of the Lukaku family, all that kind of stuff. And he'd actually looked pretty good uh, the season before as well. And I think it's against the, the fucking rotten mob. But uh, aye, he, he played maybe one or two decent games. Was never particularly positionally good or anything like that. Nah, it was just total push overall. Uh, it, it, he fucked us over really uh, during COVID. He went through his hole and we ended up getting shafted. But uh, listen, as it is, what it is, it's done. It's another 
it's another £3 million wasted on another fucking dud, which we've done time and time and time again. So, good. I'm glad that we're getting rid of these guys. Um, as you say, no just out loan. Get them to fuck. He's obviously, he went away to Turkey, didn't he? On loan. He went to Russia on loan. He cancelled that. Now he's been back here lingering about. So, yes. Glad, glad to be seeing the back of and Sorrow, um, it's been announced that he's away on loan to a top-flight team in the Portuguese league called Aruca. So a one-year loan deal for Sorrow. McGinty, we had kind of high hopes for him whenever, uh, with the the, the 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 debacle in Dubai, when we came back and we had a bunch of players out, and uh, we had to depend on the likes of Turnbull and Sorrow. Um, we thought at one point that that would be the, the new-look midfield uh, with them two alongside Callum McGregor. We did it momentarily have high hopes for Soro. Uh, how would you um how would you describe the way that his career has fizzled out at Parkhead? Your volume. Sorry, muted myself. Um mostly like bowling <laughs> goals. You got excited at first when he comes in, you know, he was getting painted as our version of Canty and stuff like that. He comes in with all the enthusiasm and all the uh energy in the world and we're all thinking, right? zone it in, control that enthusiasm because you'll give away reckless free kicks. He never really did. It never really... I think we were under the lining year when he was trying to break in. I think we were just so annoyed with the uh, the kind of backwards play of guys like Brown at the time that anything that was coming in that was giving us any sort of excitement, any sort of energy or anybody showing any sort of will to play football was like a Breath of fresh air for us, but we were uh, quickly fooled and quickly realised he was not quite up to speed. He needs a lot of coaching, or else he needs to drop down a lot of divisions so that he's actually looking better. He is because again, likes of uh, Bong Golly, just not cut out for this level. He's just not got the the awareness and the um, maturity to play in a side like Celtic where you, he needs to do certain tasks. He can't just run around randomly and think that he's the beast need he needs to control it all and focus his energy. Oh, it was a bit of a change shot. We've got Woodsy here. So just a Jetty and Julian to get out then. I guess we keep McCarthy for Paddy. And that is an ongoing theme that we and um me, McGinty and the rest of the fans are seeing. Uh, Paddy is sticking up for McCarthy and uh, I'm finding it quietly entertaining. Man, I, I don't what else are you going to do? You're just going to sit here and moan at a guy that's contracted for four years. He's clearly yeah. he's, he's clearly going to be part of something, so I'm, I might as well fucking stick up for him. But there's a there's another one for, for Frank. Um, back one Yance's day, he signed the 28-year-old Champions League winner, Paul Lambert, and then Martin O'Neill and his time, the 30-year-old Neil Lennon, and that's both the type we're screaming out for. Aye, absolutely, but obviously back then, you know, it was it was obviously easier to get closer to the, the players. You know, the golf and fucking affordability now is just it's 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 beyond the fucking galaxies for Celtic. But what we probably better doing is trying to get a guy like a Joe Hart. Joe Hart's played the Champions League. Joe Hart's played so many games for for England. I think he's the most capped fucking something something for England. Um, so guys like that who we could take a punt on and. Or maybe a bit low in confidence, we can bring them in, give them another hope to settle in. Or a guy who's over the hill, but still got a bit left. I like a like a Kolo Touri, for example, which is one of the kind of 
most recent ones, we, we brought a guy like that in that he ended up being able to cover, bringing players on, end up coaching, blah, blah, blah. But no, you're right, Frank, you're absolutely right in the sense that we need experience. I would love to see uh, kind of experienced centre-back coming in, replacing Julian, and then that gives you your, your, your four defenders, Gav, which is Vickers, Starfield, X, and then it's a battle between Laval and Welsh. Mm-hmm. For, for the for the fourth choice. But uh, and, and obviously this ever elusive midfielder that everybody seems to want, but we don't know if Celtic are actually going to sign. Is that Costa Coglu's model to go out there and sign this kind of British centre uh, deep line defensive midfielder, ball winner, water yeah. carrier, whatever you want to call it, is he going to go and do that? Is he going to persist with guys like Gucci, who I've no got, I, I've still no got a clue what kind of fucking player this wee guy is? I, I really don't know. Um, is McCarthy going to step in? We don't know. But one thing's for sure, I think we would all be a bit more at ease if we signed a couple of guys and just added to the squad as well. Uh, in that point, that Frank made the, the examples of Paul Lambert, 20 year old, and Neil Lennon, 30 year old. Um, obviously, we, we saw the benefit on the part. But it's a good point about what's the willingness of the current Celtic board to spend good money. Presuming we can't get them at that type of player on the Bosman, what's the willingness of our board to spend good money on a player of that ilk where we're not going to get a sell-on value? So well, we started on it this season, mate. We spent seventeen million before we'd even kicked a ball in pre-season. So mm-hmm. that's that's a good sign. But again, like I, I don't think it's going to be on the board this one. I think it's going to be on. The Celtic staff, i.e. Costa Coglu, what type of player does he want to bring in? We don't know. Because it's went all, it's went all quiet. Other than one. Speaking of things going quiet, but the chat about Jordan Larson has gone cold. There was another player, Vinicius Souza, the uh, Brazilian defensive midfielder. Uh, he's now signed on a one-year loan for Espanyol. Now the guy who is apparently his replacement um, the, the tabloid replacement, anyway, for being linked with a guy called Fausto Rivera, a 22-year-old defensive midfielder. He's got eight caps for the Argentina under-23s. He played uh, for Argentina at the Olympics last year. Um, so he looked to be the, the, the next man that the papers are throwing up. Um, but even that Vinicius Souza, I know that that was a, a kind of a long-running saga in the media. I'm not overly disappointed. Obviously, you want to get, if it was supposedly the number one name on the list, I'm not overly bothered because mind we were trying to get that guy Henri, a Belgian centre forward and he eventually opted to sign for Venezia and they just got relegated uh, we got Giacomacus instead and look how Giacomacus has turned out so all is not lost whenever you don't get your number one signing, if we're likely that is the case uh, McGinty, um, the, the romantic lights for Larson um, it's not over, it's not done and dusted. He's not signed a contract with anyone. We can still get him on a Bosman. But of course, it needs to, it needs to suit both parties. Uh, where are you with that one? Uh, like you said last week, for me, it's a signing that I think the club should make on behalf of the manager, really, unless Ange is adamant not to want him in, that he doesn't want that player, that he actually has somebody else in mind. I don't think Ange is chasing another striker, to be honest. He, if you look at the kind of the possible front three of, you know, Jota, Maeda, Johnson on the left, uh, Forrest and Abada, 
on the right with possibilities of Kenny playing on the right. You've got up front Kyogo, Giamakis. Kenny can play up there. Maeda can play up there. Abada showed that he can play up there quite competently. I think we've got plenty in this in the first team squad and in the B squad to fill those three positions without needing Larson. But having Larson would just bolster that pool of talent. And I think he is a, a talent. He's, he's a player that would definitely get us a few goals. As a free signing, for his name and all the rest of it, it's nostalgia. It's something that the club probably should do unless the manager's adamant that he does not want him, which I don't think it would be. Uh, I think I, I think Ange would see the benefit from a, a commercial side and from even just a dressing room side. I don't imagine he's a bad egg or anything either. So having a guy who who's going to be able to kind of bring that nostalgia back just through his name alone. I know he's not his dad. I'm not going to hope that he compare, we compare him to his dad or anything, but just having him around might just kind of give you a bit of a more of a feel-good factor, not that we need it right now. Um, it would be a no-brainer for merchandise and commercial sites alone. He'll get us a few goals and definitely a free signing. You would be selling for five to ten million pounds in a year or two, no doubt, if he, you know, if he was playing fairly decent. If not, he might end up staying for seven years like his old man and actually having a good career. But on a free transfer, do it. Absolutely do it. Um, Paddy, we've been linked with uh, Dylan Reed, 17-year-old in midfielder. So I know that you have, you've got a bit of knowledge about the St. Mirren players. Uh, have you seen much of this boy? Yes, he's decent, decent big boy. Um, aye, sensible. He plays kind of deeper. Uh, one of these guys kind of quietly does his business on the pitch. So he's, he's definitely highly, highly rated among the, the Scotland squads. Not so for 125 grand, I would definitely be taking a punt. Um, whether he wants to come or no, it's a different story. But uh, we've, de we've, we've definitely made a bid for him. So we'll, we'll see how that one plays out, mate. But I definitely think that we should be looking... Sorry, Ange said, Ange said that, that that would be a B-team signing, right? So he would go straight into the B-team. He's just turned 18. So you can see where that's, that's that, you can see why that would happen. But I think that we really need today is, is put focus like that on getting young players into, into Celtic. I mean, look at the players that's just left uh, Scotland. In recent days, you've got Lewis Ferguson has went to Bologna, I think. You've got Josh, Josh Doig for um, Hibs, who went to uh, Verona, was it? The same place that uh, uh, William Henderson went to. So, I mean, even if, even if these guys don't come in and get to the career that you would hope of, you're still at least buying talent in Scotland and you're keeping the talent in Scotland. You know, try and develop them into a, a, a player for your team, of course, first, foremost, but after all, at least you've got some sort of sell on. So I, I, th I think we really need to do is, is certainly go and kind of pick the talents for our own country and get them in first. Um, now, normally, in fact, before we move on to that, uh, departures. Uh, the, the departures were actually up at number 13 for departures. Uh, so just to, to run you through the list, uh, Dembele, Ross Duhan, Kerr McEnroy, Barkas, Bolly Bolingoli, Beaton, Rogic, Soro, Luca Connell, Liam Henderson, Afolabi, Scales and Montgomery. So Anne has not been slow in building the trigger and getting the people who are not going to have a future this season, this coming season, out the door. I like the fact that he's been very, very proactive with that. Um, 
Now, um, when all of them will be featured on this day, and you would be kind of wondering what am I going to say 12th of July, what happened on this day. But I'm actually going to hand it over to Pat. Skip that. Skip that. Fuck <laughs> off. Actually, on this day in 1990, John Corn signed for Celtic for one million from Hibs. And in 1994, Tommy Burns became the Celtic manager. That's two good memories um, from the 90s that happened in July. And uh, Paddy, you're looking a bit casual tonight, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I've not even given you a, a heads up about this. I've got uh, a, a few questions about what happened in July. See if you can fill in the blanks. Now, just because you, you parade yourself as the brains of this operation, the jungle. Hey, 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 never. <laughs> <laughs> if you're stuck, you can ask McGinty. If you want, you can ask the audience. So this is very much a poor man who wants to be a Timaloy. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking thanks for springing up, me, you prick. <laughs> you're looking far too far. Right, so these are things that happened in July. Um... So in 1974, Celtic sold Davy Hay for 225000 to which football team? Chelsea. Well done. Well done. In 1989, we signed the English defender Paul Elliott from which Italian team? Oh, fuck. Uh, was it Pisa? Something like that. I, I was I was dying to give you a hint to say Melina we bit is it to the left. Oh, it's a pizza. Yes. Right. Number three in two thousand and nine, Tony Mowbray's three point eight million signing. West Brom. Mark Andrew. Well done. Well done. Uh, you're not trying to get two points, but it's only a, a one point of there. Um, in nineteen twenty four, going Fuck back. Off. What, what was that 98 years ago? God almighty. 1924, a famous Celtic was born in Belfast. Charlie Toy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, doing no bad, McGinney, huh? I don't need to do anything. I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't need to embarrass myself. <laughs> 2010, an easy one. A Welsh player signed on a Bosman. Uh, Joe Wiley. Mm-hmm. 1991, Cascarino. He signs for Celtic for 1.1 million from from whom? Chelsea. No, we sold him to Chelsea. Oh, hey, hey, oh, fuck! Sorry. Um, oh. Where's Tom? Oh, hey, fucking! Uh, uh, <laughs> you could have asked the audience. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? What was it? It was a uh, who? Mowo. No, no, Villa, Aston Villa. What are you on? One point to Woodsy. Uh, okay, 1945. Jim McGrody succeeded who as the Celtic manager? Ask the audience if you want, or your friend begin to hear. Uh, um, what was the year again, sorry? 1945, Jimmy McGrory succeeded who as the Celtic manager? 1945. Wasn't it Jimmy McStay? Uh, McStay, McStay, was it? No. Aye. Well done. Well done, Jimmy McStay. Aye, uh, he, uh, he was let go. Um, two more questions. The huddle was performed in which year? 
96? No, it was Tony right. Hogan Saturday being what? 94? Ninety-four. Ninety-five. 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 And last question, Mr. Uh, McGinty can help you out if you don't know this one. In two thousand and ten, Efrain Juarez signed from which Mexican team? Uh, oh, the the one with the tiger face on the fucking top, Pumas. I was going to, I was going to say it's a tiger face, but obviously it's a fucking puma, isn't it? The name of the company's away, isn't it? That's pretty good going, mate. Well done, well done. Uh, McGinty, how did that seem from your your safe vantage point in the Shetlands? Oh, I'm glad you didn't ask me any of those questions. Right. I, I wouldn't even got FMRs right. I would have said Santos Laguna. Another interesting thing that I came across uh, in uh, in some of the English Premier League sites this season, they're going to be the reintroduction of the safe standing sections. Now, obviously, Celtic were the uh, what's the word for it? The catalyst, the the the, the, the guinea pig with the guinea pig for this, and uh, what we've obviously seen it to, to great aplomb and uh, the North Curve. And it's uh, definitely the choir of the stadium. Um, whether you like them or not, you cannot deny the amount of atmosphere and noise that they generate. So it's the reintroduction of that in England. Um, would you like to see that being extended further at Parkhead, a bigger capacity of the the, the, the standing section? I-1990, mate. You're asking me for that one. Um, both of you, both of you, an one. I, I would like to see it extended. It's, it's a weird position that we're in because it's on the corner, so where do you extend it? I doubt it's going to extend along the, the main stand on the, uh, the, the lower tier. That would just be a bit odd. So do you extend it up and just make it a whole corner? Do you extend it to the right and make it the lower half of the uh, the, the, the east stand? Um it's a bit of an odd one. Where does it go? But I would love to see extended. I would love to see that entire east stand covered in standing okay. areas, akin to was it Dortmund with the yellow wall? I think that'd be absolutely superb. Aye, or if you, you you were to do it in the opposite end of the stadium, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would do it on the same side. I wouldn't go diagonally opposite with it. Well, there's one for John. Uh, how you doing, John? Uh, there's a second standing oh, section coming. After this season, it's cornered directly across from the North Cup. Really? Yeah. I, I, I would love to um, You can see them singing against each other. Um, I, I think it's great what, what the atmosphere that they generate. Um, too often I've been at Parkhead and I'm guilty of it myself. Well, there's, there's, there's another two comments, guys. Uh, can I talk about the stadium as well? So, John Kelly quite regular as well. How you doing, Pop? Uh, demolish the main stand and complete the arena. And Frank Kennedy agrees. I think uh, we need a new tier in the main stand. I get that that people would like to see a full wraparound stadium, but I'm probably just coming for the fact that I grew up pretty close to the stadium and see where my flat was. You could always see into Celtic. You could always see inside Celtic part for your fucking flat because. The, the, the main tier was they completed. So for me, maybe that's just a kind of all romantic idea, but I like it the way it is. I like the front, I like the facade. I don't think you need to raise it up anymore, but obviously, if you did, then you can fit in another 10,000 people or something, maybe. 
We already earn more for, for um, compared to, to Safeco in terms of the, the, the season tickets. But if we were to build on that, get another 10,000 um, bums on seats, that would just, you know, it would just uh, exacerbate our financial superiority over them. You know, that'd be a great thing to see. Mm. Yeah, but certainly, um, as Sean the Max says there, uh, he's made a comment about the, the waiting list. Um, I it would obviously help to alleviate that because I know a lot of people like myself and my boy, we're on the wait list as well. So it uh, is a pretty extensive list and doesn't always have us been doing any time soon, especially when Celtic have played so positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other kind of moments where I think of, of having a stadium and it's not quite full is um, under Ronnie Dyler. And you can't Aye, the bars. Yeah, you can't always have sustained periods of success. God forbid, whatever Postacoglu leaves, and we're not able to carry that on, would we ever see reduced capacity at Parkhead? Happened before. Why cannot it happen again? Um, I don't want to see that happen, but it's a possibility. But yeah, if we've got the option again, that's a major, major decision for the board to think about. And what do you do whenever you're, it's under construction? Because they can't, they can't complete that construction in one summer when there's no football. What would we do? Would we relocate or would we just close down part of that stand? I don't know how they would do it, but a lot of people would probably lose out. I, th- I think they would just close it down. Um, potentially close it down near the end of the season, do the work o- bulk of the work over the summer and open it back up kind of just after the start of the season, because they'll, they'll need probably a good four or five months solid, if not longer. Not that I know how buildings work. Um, but we wouldn't relocate for one stand. You remember, we we played at the Celtic Park with just an off stand and the two the two sides, not even there until we built them up over the course of, I think we did them two seasons, a season each. So it's possible from scratch. If you're building on top of the, uh, the old stand that's there, and they'll, they'll figure something out. I would do it though. Uh, we've always had waiting lists in the past. We've always had ups and downs. We, if we know anything, and it's not that we're fickle or glory hunters, but if we know anything, Celtic fans, when they see that the club, the squad is being backed and we see that we're going places, we back the club again tenfold. We will always back the club. When we see that the board specifically are, are reining in the budgets, are reining in downsizing and stuff, we get a disgruntled and yeah, you'll see people kind of like thinking, I'm no buying a season ticket this year. They're no doing it for me. They're no, oh, if they're not investing in it, we're not investing in the board as such and then to the, uh, the business. See how you want. But we've had waiting lists under O'Neill, Strachan, did we have one under Moby? Probably not. Under Lennon, first time around, we had waiting lists. We had waiting lists under Rogers. In years of success, we will always have waiting lists. There's definitely a demand there to, to build up on it. See, see listen, I, I think we could be doing more important stuff than now, like Celtic Park. I mean, for me, like you look at the outside and see the fucking stanchions. For God's sake, give them a fucking like a paint, paint them white or something. Make this the stadium a bit more presentable and respect to that. As it's a beautiful, wonderful, world class stadium, but you look at fucking Man United Stadium, you look at the fucking bastards of Langley Road and Govan, 
even they've got the metal bits painted, right? So that's my gripe with that. I've always wanted to see it painted. Outside, let's get the fucking superstore finished. Let's get the museum built. Let's get the hotel built. Let's get all that grunt all done up. The Celtic way, as you know, guys, is absolutely beautiful. At night, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. We've still got a lot of spare ground running about the stadium that we need to get developed. It's been promised for a long time. And now, as I say, I, I really do hate to bring these cunts into the conversation, but they've already started on the museum type thing that they've clearly copied the, the idea after us. It's just they start to go and put it in the conception. We've still not done it. So I'd like to see all that getting done first before we talk about any kind of rebuilds or kind of extensions. It's, it would be great to see it, like, but listen, it's still a 60,000 seat stadium at the you know, we, 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 what we need to do is we need to make it a bit more affordable for people to get in. However way we do it, we need to do it. And we need to stop the suits for, for, for being able to snap up all the tickets, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And there's um, Forever and Ever, uh, talking about Barrafield. Um, I, I don't think we need to be doing anything with Barrafield now because everything is going to be changing this season. I don't know how many people have read about it, but the the B team, which is the, the team that's going to be competing in the Lowland League, they're now going to be training at Lennox Town exclusively. They won't be training at Barrafield anymore. So Barrafield will now be for the, the teams under the B team. Um, the B team is going to be set up by Postacoglu to be run exactly the same way as the first team. So if the first team train... Uh, attacking drills on a Monday, the B team will do it Monday. If they do defensive on a Tuesday, the B team will do it Tuesday. If they play 4-3-3, the B team will play 4-3-3, and so on and so on, which is great because everybody needs to be in tandem. If you take a player for the B team to come in and try and replace first-team player and they're playing in like a 4-4-2 formation and you're trying to put them in a 4-3-3, there's a bit of consternation there at the start. So if everybody's in, in the same kind of wavelength, that's great. So I Barrafield, as for us, it'll be good for the it'll be good for the younger ones still to play on a kind of ordinary bit of grass. We don't want to be too spoiled you know, by going and playing and fucking lovely big developments. Let them go to Tory Glen or something for to do that. But Barrafield, find the way it is. Sorry for my rant there. Excuse me. Not at all. Not at all. Um... And in other news, I think it's Thursday, the 14th of July, that's when the, the new home tour is going to be on sale um, at the, the Celtic store and probably all the other shops as well. I don't think I'll be in a mad rush to buy this one. That's not because I dislike it, just that I've been buying far too many tops recently. I'm going to calm my jets with it. Egyptian King, we should be, what do they say? We should rename uh, Lennox Town. Yeah, Tony Burns. I think he'd be the, yeah, he'd be the most. Uh, popular, popular person to name after the Tommy Burns. I mean, uh, uh, Academy, Tommy Burns Academy. That'd be a. He did a lot of work, mate, uh, getting Lennox Town built, basically. Obviously, it wasn't just due to him, but he was, he was one of the big kind of four figures in getting that done. He travelled over to Ajax back in the day and saw how like, the, the model for the training pitches and this and that was, was, was great for developing players. If your training pitch was better, then you train better type thing. So he was he was one of the main players in getting that built along with guys like Peter Wall and all that. So it would be very, very fitting, um, in my opinion. If I it was to, to be named after Tommy Bond, so I 
I'll give you that. Hey guys, well the clock is ticking and we are almost at the hour mark. Um, as we said, we've got the game tomorrow, Bannock or Strava. And then I believe the following game is Blackburn Rovers. Let me just yes. check. The, the, the 16th, um, aye. Oh, yep, Saturday sees the return of a John Dow Thomas to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Aye. He's taken over Tony Mowbray as the former Blackburn manager. Um, so aye. We'll be interested to see. In fact, I remember being at Parkhead for a pre-season friendly and it was Blackburn. And you know who played for Blackburn before he signed for Man U? That big centre-back. Phil, Paul, Jones. Paul, Phil Jones, aye, Phil Jones, aye, aye. At that point, he looked a really good player, but then he got tons of injuries for Man U and it went downhill. Um, but aye, aye, uh, Blackburn Rovers, Celtic, that was a long fucking time ago, that. Um, aye, so you guys, anything else you want to discuss before we bring it to a close? No, I think we've touched most of what we've uh, wanted to touch on this week. Um, new players coming in, the games, I, I, yeah, we've touched everything. There's pre-season, pre-season stuff in it, guys. What more is there to talk about? Yeah. Um, right, okay. Well, next Tuesday we'll be back on another season TikTok. Uh, I hope everybody is enjoying their summer holidays, enjoying the good weather. Um, aye, have a good one. I take it, yeah, um, lads. I, I, t- I take it we're not making any promises for Saturday this thing. No promises. Let's, let's stick to the Tuesday TikToks. And if it's a surprise one, there's a surprise one. Um, until until new, we kick off with the official competitive the, 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 the weather's too good to know. The weather's too good to know. So go and enjoy your games. We'll all meet up on Tuesday and we'll fucking rehash the shit out of it. Are you wearing a jumper, Paddy? Is that an actual jumper? Oh, it's a hoodie. Right. Oh, that's what we're going to bring up. The fact that Ange Poster Coglu's ditched the jumper. Oh, I, I big, big Ange's ditched I went and bought fucking... one as well. So did the so did the old Dazbo. Dazbo, aye. So jumpers are no longer in vogue. Is that what you're saying? Yes, mate. He's he, he's, he's, right, he, he's right in. He's got the fucking training pants on and everything. The joggies, t-shirts, aye. Definitely, definitely. Right, okay. On that note, on that fashion <laughs> note, <we laughs> that I'm telling you, man. This just turned into a fucking fashion show. This man. Three handsome, fashionable guys right here. Of course. Aye. Yes, yes, did, you know, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? It's my monkey was up, Gav. Oh, man, so far away. That's the monkey, mate. Mm. What has it got a name? Uh, Percy. Okay, Percy. Right. Uh, next Tuesday, we're back on and we're talking more <laughs> than usual. Have a good one, guys. Yeah